0: Tuesday, March the 1st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Russian aggression increases and Western sanctions bite. First, the world in brief. Russia rained artillery fire on residential areas of Kharkiv, Ukraine's second largest city, killing at least 11 civilians, according to the mayor. Western officials have warned that the number of civilian deaths may rise significantly as Russia intensifies attacks on cities, particularly the capital of Kyiv. The prosecutor at the International Criminal Court moved to open an investigation into alleged war crimes in Ukraine. Negotiations between Ukraine and Russia ended without agreement. The Kremlin said a settlement was possible only if Ukraine's government was, quote, denazified. ...and Russian control over Crimea formally recognised. Satellite imagery showed a convoy of Russian ground forces... ...stretching perhaps 40 miles, 64 kilometres, advancing on Kiev, Ukraine's capital city. By Monday night, the front of the column, which includes armoured vehicles, tanks and weaponry... ...was thought to have reached Antonov airport, on the outskirts of the city. The Kremlin barred Russians from transferring foreign currency overseas or servicing foreign currency debt outside the country, in an attempt to stem the damage from Western sanctions. The central bank reportedly ordered financial institutions to block foreign clients from selling Russian securities. Earlier it raised its key interest rate from 9.5% to 20% in an effort to prop up the ruble, which fell by as much as 30% against the dollar. Trading on Moscow's stock exchange will be suspended for a second day on Tuesday. Shell joined the list of firms moving to limit their exposure to Russia, saying it would get rid of its stake in joint ventures with Gazprom, including its 28% share in a big offshore gas project. Earlier, BP, another oil major, said that it was selling its 20% stake in Rosneft, Russia's state-backed oil giant. Aircap, an Irish aircraft leasing firm, Said it would end business with Russian carriers and seek the return of hundreds of aeroplanes. Uber said it would, quote, accelerate its divestment from a joint venture with Yandex, a Russian tech firm. The Biden administration said 12 diplomats of Russia's mission to the UN were engaged in, quote, espionage activities and ordered them to leave America. Russia vowed to respond. Switzerland broke its long tradition of neutrality and froze the assets of Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, as well as nearly 400 other Russians already targeted by EU sanctions. FIFA and UEFA, football's global and European governing bodies, suspended Russia's clubs and national teams from all competitions. The decision bars Russia from qualifying for the World Cup. The International Olympic Committee called for Russian and Belarusian athletes to be banned from all global sporting events. It's said that in cases where it was impossible to stop them taking part, the athletes should not compete as representatives of their countries. Other news. Toyota suspended production at all 14 of its plants in Japan, following a cyber attack at a big supplier. It hopes to resume operations on Wednesday. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released a new report that found at least 3.3 billion people are quote highly vulnerable to the impacts of a warming world. It also showed that adaptation and mitigation are not going nearly far or fast enough. Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, appealed for calm as panicked shoppers stripped supermarket shelves ahead of a rumoured COVID-19 lockdown. The government at first denied a lockdown was on the cards, before admitting it was considering it. And fact of the day. $630 $630 billion, the value of Russia's foreign exchange reserves, which have been targeted by Western sanctions. And now, here's today's agenda. How Putin might react to resistance The bulk of Russian forces are now just 25 kilometers from Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, and seem likely to encircle it in the coming days. They have also broken through Ukrainian lines in the south, driving west to Odessa, a major port, and north towards the centre of the country, where they could cut off Ukrainian troops in eastern Ukraine. Even so, the Russian war machine is undoubtedly struggling. The biggest problem appears to be logistics. Russian tanks and other vehicles have been seen abandoned on the roadside, either broken down or out of fuel. Nor has Russia secured the skies. In recent days, Ukraine has used its Turkish-made TB2 drones to conduct deadly strikes on unsuspecting Russian forces. The war may now be entering an uglier stage, as Russia makes up for its slow start with more firepower. After failing to seize Kharkiv with ground assaults, Russian forces have targeted Ukraine's second biggest city with rockets and cluster bombs. As the stakes for both sides rise, so too will the number of civilian casualties. Cracks appear in the Kremlin's propaganda machine. As Russia's invasion of Ukraine falters, so President Vladimir Putin's propaganda machine has gone into overdrive. In the Kremlin's version of events, Russia is not conducting a war but a near-bloodless operation to free its Ukrainian brothers from the vile West and its Nazi proxies. The news of crippling sanctions and the crashing of the ruble are mentioned only in passing, slotted in between television commercials that advertise affordable mortgages and loans, all things that will soon be affected. The propaganda edifice is cracking, however, as reality intrudes, in part through soaring prices. Unprepared for the war and its consequences, middle-class Russians in particular are terrified. Anti-war protests are continuing despite the risks of taking part. In the past five days, about 4,000 people have been detained. A more accurate picture of the conflict is also emerging through outlets such as TV Rain, an independent television channel, and Echo Moskvi, a radio station. A worried Kremlin can only respond with threats and accusations of treason. Russia invades Joe Biden's State of the Union address. A president's quote, State of the Union address, is a chance to defend his record while pitching his priorities to lawmakers, as well as ordinary Americans. On Tuesday night, Joe Biden will give the first of his presidency. With his approval ratings underwater and his government facing a trifecta of threats to its domestic, economic and, not least, foreign policy, it is a formidable task. The pandemic, inflation and Ukraine will all feature prominently in Mr Biden's speech to a joint session of Congress. On the first, Mr Biden will hail the country's progress in combating COVID-19. On the second, he will trumpet the trillions in spending he signed into law last year, the cure he will insist to rising prices. But it is the third leg, America's response to Russian aggression, that will be most closely watched. After imposing sanctions against individuals, technology firms, and Russia's central bank, Mr. Biden must explain his strategy. Despite the bipartisan consensus on confronting Russia, expect little applause from stone faced Republicans. Better times at Baidu The search engine used to be grouped with two other giant Chinese internet firms, Alibaba and Tencent, to form the quote, B.A.T. But Baidu's line of work was less exciting than Alibaba's e-commerce and Tencent's gaming business. Faster growth of the latter two companies eventually made the acronym obsolete, Baidu's earnings report on Tuesday may show how the firm still stands apart from the other two, but now for the right reasons. During the regulatory crackdown on technology groups that has played out in China since November 2020, Baidu has suffered much less than Alibaba and Tencent. Its share price is now above where it was when the crackdown began. Shares in Alibaba and Tencent, on the other hand, have fallen significantly. Baidu has been investing heavily in artificial intelligence and self-driving cars, in line with government policy. That probably spared it the worst of the tech onslaught faced by the troubled, quote, AT. Margaret Atwood on her life and times. After a long career, Margaret Atwood shows no signs of slowing down, Her new book, Burning Questions, is a departure from her award-winning fiction. The Handmaid's Tale has been on and off the bestseller lists for 35 years. This collection of, quote, essays and occasional pieces focuses on her own life and times. Why do all people tell stories across cultures? What makes a feminist? How can we live on our planet? The book meanders through the Canadian writer's endlessly curious mind time and again demonstrating her wit and sense of humour, as much as her intellect. There is no rhyme or reason to the 65 pieces that compromise burning questions, and that's the pleasure of it. Miss Atwood dips her toes in climate change, the culture wars, big tech, debt and Shakespeare. She pens tributes to departed writers, reflects on the conception and reception of her great novels, and the death of her partner. Daily quiz. You know the drill. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which American actor found fame playing a small-time boxer in a film he wrote himself? Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Dean Howells, who was born on this day in 1837. The secret of the man who is universally interesting is that he is universally interested.